Welcome into 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Drew Creaseman, and as always, I'm excited to be talking Colorado Rockies baseball with you here on the show. And I do have your ups and downs for the last two series. For those of you that follow me on Twitter, you, you'll probably notice as dealing with a little bit of doggy health care in the last couple of days, so I appreciate everyone's patience. I'll have your ups and downs for these last two series here, and then I've got a couple of podcasts coming for you uh, in the rest of the week on just general topics surrounding the team, but let's get all the way back up to date now. I'm recording just after the Rockies winning the game and therefore the series against the Cincinnati Reds. Improving, if you will. I, I mean, definitely improving to 19 and 25. They've had a much much better May right now they couldn't have done a whole lot worse than they did in April it was their worst April ever at a a 9 and 20 record but still they've been playing much more competent baseball lately and it's leading to some W's so let's get into the ups and downs it was kind of funny Uh, I had some difficulty coming up with the downs in this one there's really not a whole lot that you can hone in right now other than their absolutely horrendous or uh, injury luck to say that the the rockies are you know really isn't going their way or they're really not doing well right now but i've got a few of them here for you let's start and end with the ups because that's just they're playing well so we're going to do that and i'm going to begin with basically all of the young guys I'm obviously going to hyper-focus on Brenton Doyle, who's just been the most exciting thing on this team all season. Just the last couple of weeks of watching Brenton Doyle play baseball have been probably the most exciting thing on this team in a couple of seasons. Uh, You know, there have been individual moments. You never know, like when a guy, right, uh, you know, Armand Marquez, the couple of times he's flirted with throwing no hitters or stuff like that. But I mean, as as a sort of consistent, why are you turning on the ball game today? Right. And I told I told him this to his face. I said, you know, man, you're just a really fun player to watch play the game. Uh, Bud Black talked about it yesterday during pregame. Just, you know, it's hard to get more exciting than a guy who's got elite level speed, really good pop. You know, power and speed combo is exciting. A guy who can really play good defense, who can just make himself a factor in every element of the game. And that's what he's doing. You know, at first, the the hitting wasn't there right off the bat. Ha 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 ha. Uh, the defense obviously was showing out immediately. We talked about this during the last road trip that even though he wasn't getting on base a ton, what he would get on base was almost an automatic to steal second, right? He's already now among the league leaders in rookies and like home runs and stolen bases. And he got here like 12 days ago. I think actually 17 days ago. He played today, right? So I think it's now 18 games. So it's hard to get... A whole lot more exciting. The two home run ball game uh, where he also makes a couple of defensive gems in center field and they win by one. Uh, you know, people calling it the Brenton Doyle game. Uh, that, that, that stuff's fun, man. He told me as, as a part of the survey that I'm doing where I ask everybody, you know, what's your favorite ball game you've ever played in? And Kyle Freeland, of course, says, you know, the wild card game in 2018. Uh, Chris Bryant, you know, obviously he's going to say winning the World Series. Although it was funny, if you if you go and read that one, he did say, you know, you would expect me to say that, and it was, but not really till it was over, because that's also in the most stressful baseball game I've ever played in in my life. Like, yeah, I would imagine. I've never been in Game 7 of the World Series, but just saying those words in that order gives me butterflies in my stomach, you know? And so, Brenton Doyle, 
man, this is great. And anyone who's not watching Rockies baseball right now because they're mad at the owner and they think not watching might make him sell or this, that, or the other, or or they're mad at the last GM for trading the superstar, which I totally get. But if that's the reason to not watch the Rockies right now, you're missing out on this really exciting young baseball player who, as I talked about all spring training, you know, I, I in noting, I guess, the potential lack of an overall impact bat. And it still remains to be seen because the league is going to adjust to him and he's going to have to adjust back. There's a, we're in the early days here. Remember last time though, that we talked about this, I was kind of putting him in that in-between space between say guys like David Dahl and Trevor Story, who immediately hit the ground running and were incredibly exciting from day one. And guys like Brendan Rogers and Ryan McMahon, who took a little bit longer to work into being really good, uh, certainly defensive ball players for those guys, elite level defensive players for both of them. <clears throat> well, now, you know, Doyle, I was saying he was kind of striking right in the middle of that, right? Not too far on one side where he looked totally lost, but not, you know, wowing the world. And now he's bordering on wowing the world. He's starting to become one of the most exciting players in the National League and all of baseball, that type of stuff, right? ESPN is going to be checking in, though that's not what it used to be <laughs> when I was a kid. Let me, let me tell you all that. When I was a kid, it used to be if you got yourself on Sports Center, that was the, the biggest accomplishment. But whatever it is, right, that, that national eye is going to start looking in if he can continue to make himself a factor like this. And so that's been a lot of fun. Then you add into there, into the mix, and I have to put a bunch of stuff into this one up because there's a lot of things to talk about that the Rockies are doing well right now. You have... Tovar continuing to quietly do pretty well in the month of May. He had an awful, awful April, and in May he's been fine, which is obviously a big step in the right direction, right? We've seen a couple of home runs, hit another one the other day in the ballgame that they lost, which was an oppo jack into the uh, bullpen over the Breidich barrier, which is pretty impressive to see the, you know, not especially large right-handed hitter do. Uh, so you've got Tovar doing his thing. Uh, and then during this, you get Tolia called back up to the majors. And he had a nice little ball game today with a couple of hits and Riley Pint getting to make his major league debut. I'll talk a little bit more about Pint in just a second, but in general there, uh, you, you do have the beginnings of it. And I know, and I've said, and we've talked about it ad nauseum and I won't belabor the point too much now because we have talked about it so much. A lot of people wanted this to happen earlier, including myself, but the fact that it is happening, we'll see how you know permanent it is. Yes, it's happening to some extent right now because CJ Crone is on the IL, but he's going to get some opportunities here, and this is going to be uh, some good learning chances. And a couple of days in a row uh, where he got in there, goes over in the first one, gets a couple of base hits today. Obviously, it's too early to give him an up or down yet on performance or any of that stuff it's just it's just nice to see him here right and at least producing some today all right let's go over to the downs Uh, this is not the number one down in fact i have it written as the third thing on my list because it's not something to be overly concerned about right now but since i was just talking about it let's get into this riley pint thing first of all how incredible is it for, there's no one listening to this that doesn't know the story, right? Former Rockies first round pick, uh, struggled in the early days, uh, got shifted in the bullpen, 
because he was showing, you know, signs of being able to focus up a little bit there. It was so wild. I remember seeing him pitch in Grand Junction. the first time I've ever actually been afraid for some kids out there. He was throwing like 102 miles an hour, and he had no idea where it was going to go. And, you know, it was almost dangerous. And, you know, he, he locked it in a little bit, and he was starting to get better, but clearly was struggling. And then at one point just retired. Just had to walk away from the game entirely for most of basically he pitched like a few innings at the beginning of 2021 and then he retired and he was out of the game for all of 2021 in that off season or whatever it was. And then, you know, he, he comes back in 2022 and actually puts together a really solid year at AAA Albuquerque. Uh, the walk rate still higher than you want, but a monster strikeout rate and uh, an ERA that got better and better and better throughout the year. And so I think we were all looking forward to seeing him this year. And he was looking for, it's like, what a great story, right? But then you do have to remember that, like, that's always been the profile. This is what he's been. And we saw it out there today at the big league level where it's hard to square him up. Nobody really did. No one really had to, right? One guy, the, the one guy hit the ball pretty hard. I'm trying to remember now who it was was Fraley that got him and Bryant didn't do it. It's kind of a little bit too bad. It wasn't a terrible misplay, but you'd love to see Bryant to be able to come up with that ball to help the kid out a little bit. But I mean, several pitches that are missing their spot by feet, right? Uh, pitches that are not close. Unfortunately, he was squeezed on one or two and that never helps when you've already got command and control issues, right? But largely that's been the Riley Pint experience so far. And so for, you know, people hoping that he was going to get in there, strike out the side, and awesome major league debut. Like, there's always the chance that that happens, right? He does have those games from time to time, but he has these types of games too, and that's why, you know, for now, you're not likely to see Riley Pint pitch in a lot of, or maybe any close games. That's right. It was why he didn't come in until the Rockies had a six-run lead, right? And uh, why you may not see him pitch much, and and why he'll probably go back down to AAA here before too long, but. Still, that this can be a great learning experience for him, working with the major league pitchers, with the major league coaching staff, uh, and even learning, uh, you know, some of the hitter tendencies if he can get back out there and have a little bit better command. But I, I imagine for a guy that's already got these kinds of issues, then you, you know, jack up the intensity of making your major league debut and all of that. Uh, pretty frustrating, but nice that Pierce Johnson was able to come in and pick him up uh, right very quickly, uh, and even actually. Because you know, Johnson could have given up a double in the gap to the next guy. Uh, all those runs would have been charged to Pint. And then, you know, still gets the save, closes out the game. In the grand scheme of things, no harm, no foul. But it is kind of nice that Pint isn't going to have, like, an infinity ERA <laughs> after a day in the big leagues, right? It, it's it's kind of nice just that he doesn't feel like, oh, man, I made that game way closer than it should have been. I've Or, you know, <laughs> baseball gods forbid he had lost the game. It had, you know... Johnson gives up a home run there and then it's a one run game. And now you're in a really tough spot, right? So the fact that the final score uh, was still a pretty wide margin for the Rockies, I think is a good thing uh, probably for him just mentally moving forward. Uh, But yeah, I also would say as exciting as it is to see him as great as the story is and as fun as it'll hopefully be once he can hone in a little bit and on, on his good days, you do have to pump the brakes on, say, demanding that like Bud Black get him in there at every opportunity because, 
he really does struggle with these command issues sometimes. And you saw how quickly a game that isn't close can start to feel like it is. Like that became a save situation because the, the, the tying run was on deck, right? And so that's not what you want. Anyway, still very excited for him. Let's do another down because I, I'm telling you, I was struggling. This was the one I'm, I'm really reaching for. Mike Moustakis is cold. Um, you know, I've been talking about his process versus results for a lot of the season. I still feel like he's hitting some good line drives that he's taken a pretty good at bat. He's striking out more though. Now it's at about 28%, which is really high for him. And I'm starting to wonder if the warning track outs are just indicative of him not, you know, having the, the power to get the ball over the wall anymore. Part of me was thinking, Hey, that's just bad luck. You know, at some point, those start to just bounce off the wall for a double, get over the wall for the home run. And I still think that that could be the case. You know, I I could still see him locking it in a little bit. He also, I don't think, has done a lot of coming off the bench in his career and not getting regular at-bats. So it'll be interesting to see if he can adjust to that role. Um, But certainly, if you're hoping to showcase him for trades or if you just like him and you want him to hit well to help the Rockies win, he's not really doing either of those things right now. Sitting there with like a a 230 batting average and and really not much in terms of pop either. So kind of a bummer there. All right, let's go back over to the positive sides and talk about the flip side of that, which is the offensive explosion that we have seen Lately, just about everyone in the lineup contributing something. I already talked about what the young guys are doing. We've got veteran Harold Castro is suddenly very, very hot. So that's the inverse of what I was just talking about, right? If you're uh, hoping to trade him, like like with Moustakis, like that's great news for uh, the potential to move him, especially if you do uh, feel like these middle infielders are, uh, you know, really cementing themselves. If Tovar is going to be able to to take that next step, Um uh, maybe you can bring back um, Montero, although I don't think they're interested in looking at him at third base anymore. Uh, that's a conversation for another time. Uh, whatever they do, I, like I've often said, these veterans should be showcased for trades. And so it's good news. And it's also just nice to see the Rockies playing well again when, when Castro is doing well. He's been particularly hot at home, which... Might not help that uh, trade conversation I was just talking about. That's definitely one of those things that media and other GMs, not all of them, but some of them will look in and go, well, you know, he's got massive splits, so he's not really hitting well. He's just taking advantage of Coors, which to some degree that may be true. We all know there's a hangover effect thing in there as well. But ultimately, you know, he's up in the 270 range now, and that's just good news for his general resume, right? Profar with the 26 game on base streak. Uh, Chris Bryant continues to be quietly good, which means to me one of two things. Either this is kind of the new normal where he's not going to be the massive slugger that he's been throughout his career, but will continue to be that kind of 300 hitter. His process at the plate is just so good. And he's so capable of hitting. Like he takes a lot of sliders low and away from him, which are basically the yeah, it's always funny to me when I hear somebody say, oh, Carlos Gonzalez can never hit that slider low and away. Oh, Andres Galarraga, man, he can never hit that slider low and away. It's like nobody actually can, <laughs> except Chris Bryant. Well, no, some guys do, but they're like elite, elite, elite contact hitters, you know, can figure out a way to do something with that pitch. Uh, and he's an extraordinary with it. He can loop that thing over the shortstop's head. 
like he's taken out the garbage. But we haven't seen the power uh, in the last couple of weeks, which to me either means, yeah, this is the new normal, and that's okay. He's still going to be a well above average hitter, you know, kind of 120 OPS plus type of guy. Um, or we're, we're going to see a power surge sometime soon that, you know, he's going to start seeing some fastballs. He's going to start getting out in the, ahead of some pitches. He's going to get hot. Uh, when it heats up at Coors Field, the ball's going to start flying a little bit more for him, and he's going to hit some home runs. And I, and I do think that that's more likely to be the case. I would still take the over on 20 home runs for him this season. And he's, I think he's got quietly five. Um, yeah, yeah, five of them. But just in general, the offense is producing. Elias Diaz uh, should probably be an all-star. He's been so good. He's been especially clutch. But uh, again, the batting average hovering between 320 and 330. Not a ton of pop from him either. I guess if I was to give a down inside of this up, that would be the thing for the offense is I'd still like to see a bit more in terms of the home run ball. Uh, but right now, the offense looks good. And, and it's hard to be too upset with any one guy's process at the plate. All right, let me give you your last down. And even this feels a little bit like a reach, and I don't want to jump up on the guy because Austin Gomber had four really good starts in a row. And today had a little bit of a setback you know, four innings pitch, 4.1, five earned runs. Uh, not what you want to see. Had a little bit of command issues, was walking guys. The strike zone today was nonsense, but that's not worth getting into. Uh, but a little bit of a setback. If he goes out and has a quality start in his next game, I'll look at this as a random outlier and not be too concerned about it and still see him trending in the right direction. Uh, right. The, the one thing inside of even that game where he was like perfect in the six innings. Um, but then he gives up two home runs, right? I mean, in a, in a, in a tie ball game, he just piped a pitch to Kyle Schwarber, which you can't do. <laughs> He's one of the guys you just can't do that. You can't throw a you know first pitch, get me over 92 mile an hour fastball right down the middle of the plate to Kyle Schwarber. He's going to hit it over the center field fence which is precisely what he did. So I still worry about Gomber's propensity to give up the home run. He's a pitcher that absolutely cannot afford to walk people, and that got him today. But overall, I still see him trending in the right direction. I see him pitching with more confidence. I see him attacking. Uh, so, <clears throat> again, it feels a little bit weird to have this as, like, the big down right now. 4.1 innings pitched, 500 runs isn't good. No way around that. But he, he put together a nice little stretch there where I think in four games uh, he'd given up six earned runs total. And three of them were in that game, like I said, where he, he had been he didn't allow a base runner in the first six innings. Uh, you know, he very easily could have just not gone back out there with seven. A lot of other, like if he had, uh, the weird thing is, if you know, if, if he had given up like four or five hits throughout that game, which would have naturally elevated the pitch count, but no runs, he probably just doesn't go back out there for the seventh. And, you know, we're talking about then a four-game stretch where he'd only given up three combined runs through all of it. So he'd been looking really good, but today was was tough to see. And the final up, once again, it's a flip side of the coin kind of day. Every other pitcher, this is bizarre. I don't know what's happening. The Rockies have lost four of their five best starting pitchers, Armand Marquez, Antonio Sensatella, 
Ryan Feltner, and Noah Davis. And yet, they're pitching well. The bullpen has been phenomenal. I mean, truly and epically phenomenal. The worst ERA out there since Denelson Lamette went down or on the IL or whatever the hell happened. <laughs> he was pitching very, very poorly. They put him on the IL, right? Yeah. Um, Johnson, Pierce Johnson's the only guy that doesn't have a particularly pretty ERA. And now he's eight for eight in save opportunities. He hasn't blown a save yet. Given up some runs here and there, been a little bit shaky, but so far hasn't really cost you anything. Everybody else, Justin Lawrence, phenomenal. Brent Suter, among the best ERAs in baseball. Jake Bird, absolutely fantastic, especially when you consider how rough his first couple of appearances were. Brad Hand has been excellent. And then you've got Connor Siebold, who hadn't been great in a long relief role, stepping into the rotation and suddenly giving you a couple of very capable, again, I, I think just south of quality starts. Yeah, because they're five innings, right? So five innings, three runs, five innings, one run. Chase Anderson, they pick up five innings, one run. That's I, I, apparently this is one of my favorite phrases, and I know it, it sounds like you're, it's faint praise, but... You will take that every time out of these guys. And it's why the Rockies are winning games. It's precisely the thing that I didn't think they were going to get, if that makes any sense. Right? I figure, Sensatel and Marquez go down. Seabold steps in the rotation. He's given you five innings, five runs, and you're losing that, that, those games more often than not. You know, we'll see what happens. Sounds like Carl Kaufman's going to be the guy. Who knows? You know, again, I would have said probably not. But then when Noah Davis did it, I wasn't sure about him. He picked up some good innings. Same thing with Feltner picked up some good innings. I, I was just going through about uh, Gomber. So I don't have an explanation for it. And and I'll be frank with you, folks. The reason I'm not really changing my you know predictions on the end of the year that you know when they were awful in April, I didn't full and I, I did say I think they might lose 100 games after Marquez got hurt. That, again, that was about an injury, not necessarily just about how poorly they'd played. But I still haven't officially moved off my 72 game, 72 win prediction, right? And stuff like this is is why, because they'll rattle off wins like this. They look pretty good. I don't know that this pitching can hang on. They don't have the resumes that suggest that they'll be able to hold on and continue to put up quality starts. Though I do think the bullpen thing is for real. I, I talked about that all spring training. I wrote about that, how there's possibility that they were going to have like an oddly dominant bullpen, which is not something you usually find on a on a bad team. But seriously, go look at the ERAs. They've got like five guys with sub three ERAs out there. Uh, actually, six of them, I think. And and then, like I said, the one guy with the bad ERA is the guy who's eight for eight and saves. And his isn't even bad. It's like, I'd have to look at it after today for something. But yeah, they're pitching well. Of course, that's why they're winning, right? That's <laughs> like, yeah, Drew, but but it's really strange, especially when you're getting it from guys like Connor Siebold. I have no idea what to expect out of Chase Anderson. I wouldn't have gone with, you know, one of the most efficient ball games all year, right? Kyle Freeland, by the way, I feel like has been a, like just a quiet captain, stalwart, during all of this happening, he just keeps going out there and pitching really good baseball games, uh, which you, you expect from him, right? He's got the 
the good numbers on the season as well. But there they go, pitching well. They have made, uh, I think they're the fifth fewest errors of any team in the month. They've stopped making those defensive mistakes. And, and they're not even, the starting pitching hasn't been phenomenal. It's just been good enough. And when you get those exciting big plays from guys like Doyle, a little bit of Tovar here and there, you hope Tolia can get into some of that a little bit. Oddly enough, Jurickson and Profar has been a quiet little engine that could. He's like my new uh, Gerardo Parra pick. I, I just He's one of those guys that the numbers are never going to quite show you what he's doing. But boy, does he seem to have a, a knack for being right in the middle. Like today, right in the middle of that big... Uh, six run inning, right? It, it just is the opposite of the guys who you feel like put up pretty decent numbers, but it never seems to matter, right? You look down and guys got a decent number of home runs, but they were always when the team was down six to one. So you're like, eh. <laughs> Profar is the opposite of that. And the game's not close. He never seems to do anything, but right in the middle of it right now. So I'm liking that. So those are my ups and downs for you out of the Rockies over these last six ball games. They're on their way out to Texas, so of course I'll be covering that. But also have a, a couple of more uh, in-depth topics that I wanted to get into. Of course, uh, you're about due for another minor league report. Got to fill you in on what's been going on with Nolan Jones, uh, what Tolio was doing before this, how Montero is, a few other guys. Coco Montez has been really fantastic. So there's some guys to talk about down there. The double A guys, which I, I haven't even talked about at all this year. Uh, you got to get in on Veen Romo and all of that. So thank you all for listening in to this episode of 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. Make sure you're checking out all the other podcasts here on the network and all of the written content here at milehighsports.com. I'm going to do a, a shorter podcast for you here soon on the conversation that I had with Bud Black about whether or not pitchers should get a timeout. I'd really love for you to go to read that article on milehighsports.com, but I also want to share the audio with you because I think you can tell from just the way he responds a little bit how he's thinking and a little bit kind of how Bud Black operates, which I think would be some fun insight for you guys. So I will have that audio for you on the next podcast. Until then, keep being absolutely awesome out there. I will keep being absolutely Drew Creaseman. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark.